Hello and welcome to today's Just Chops In podcast. And with me and myself today, I've got Jack J. Hutchinson. And we've had Jack on before and we had a bit of a laugh. And uh, how's it going, Jack? It's going all right, mate. Yeah, I mean, obviously you like to have me on so much that you've, you're a man down already. What if he's not shown up? <laughs> he's already bolted. Oh, he was really looking forward to this as well. I don't know what's happened to him. Well, you know, there was obviously some discussion of big baps, wasn't there? And that's why he's not <laughs> shown up. Because <laughs> uh, he, he met you, didn't he, at the Patriot, was it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, on the last tour, yeah, um, I can't remember. I honestly can't remember. It probably was. I think it was the Patriot. I think we did. Didn't we do like a quick interview or something there? But yeah, I played the Patriot quite a few times. So I can't remember which tour it was. But it was. Yeah, a, it was the last one. I'm sure it was a great gig, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he said that he, you know, he really liked meeting you, and he was really looking forward to this today. But I don't know where he is. So. Yeah, clearly, he's, he's behind that banner you've got behind you. He's going to burst through. <laughs> he might do. Yours the revenge. In his defence, I did forget to send him the link, and I only just sent it. I don't know what I was doing. I was reading. I was reading your thing that Wes sent me, your bio thing, where you press uh, press kit, and I was looking at some other stuff. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, so you've got a new four track EP that's just been released. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was supposed to be 10 tracks, but, uh, you know, I just, I just couldn't afford it. I'm, I'm only joking. Yeah. I've got this uh, brand new four track EP. We'll get your manager to pay for it. Hey, <laughs> get your manager to pay for it. Yeah. Right. You went around. <laughs> um, so this, yeah, it's four tracks and there's a bonus DVD, uh, which oh, right, okay. most people, uh, when I tell them that are like, why? <laughs> Why have you done a bonus DVD? But um, I used to love all that sort of stuff. And I, I bought um, like a Winery Dogs uh, album a couple of years back where they'd done this sort of, you know, like the deluxe album sort of thing where they, they give away like a, a free DVD with it. So I thought, why not try and do a DVD for my next release? So that's where I got the idea from, the Winery Dogs. Oh, okay. But yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, it's not my, it's not my content on the DVD. It's Thomas the Tank Engine. So, um, <laughs> you know... <laughs> But yeah, back in my day, we used to get like a free EP with the LP. Yeah. You know, well, they want such thing as DVDs then. One is too tight to mention now, isn't it, for everyone? They won't be doing that these days. Yeah, man, what's going on with all these cancelled gigs and, yeah, you know, well, ticket sales and... It's been a bit weird, isn't it? I think everybody spent most of the sort of 18 months where COVID was really, you know, affecting a lot of people, thinking once all of this is over... This is going to be like the boom period for live music, yeah. and actually, I think a lot of it um, is down to people of skin. You know, they they can't afford to do multiple shows. A, a big thing, actually, for a lot of f fans of my music that's, that are talking to me is um, they used to kind of come around the country, so they'd stay in different hotels yeah. and actually staying in a travel lodge or a Premier Inn or wherever they might want to stay has jumped from 40 quid a night to about 120 quid a night. And so they're just not, they're not willing to do it. So um, there's loads of different reasons and it, it's a bit of a shame, but you know, as an artist, as an artist, you've just got to keep going and uh, keep rocking. And um, you know, if, uh, if people come to the gigs, that's great, obviously, but um, you know, I'll be out there doing my thing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, to be honest, I think that's the way you should look at it, you know, because, yeah, it's all right to know well, we can't afford to go to the gig or not not the punters, I mean the, the artists, you know. We can't afford to travel there or we can't afford to do this and we can't afford to turn up and play for three men and a dog. But you should, you know. 
I mean, yeah. if, in my opinion, that's like going back to your roots. That's going back to old school digging, if you like. Because not everybody had a full house every night, you know. I think artists have got a bit complacent, to be honest. Hey, man, when I started gigging in Burnley, we were lucky to get about five people through the door when yeah, it exactly. was 20 years ago. And so we always thought, you know, if we get five people through that door, we're going to give them one hell of a show. It was always yeah. the attitude of never cancel um, and then, you know, give people a rock show. And there's a lot of fun in that, you know, when you've got yeah. um, those gigs where you feel like your back's against the wall and you kind of really, you've really got to pull out all the stops to make it a good gig for people. I think that's that's pretty cool. Um, but I think another thing that's affected actually is so many bloody festivals. Like uh, when I was, you know, tour, I've been touring probably for about seven years now. Yeah. And the, of course there were festivals going into the winter period, but not to the same levels we're seeing this year where, you know, in the past you'd probably have that, that summer festival season. So a lot of bands would play those festivals and then come September, October, they're sticking their albums out and they're doing their, their headline tours or support tours or whatever. I think a difficult thing at the moment is this there's so many festivals on and um I think that affects the ticket buyer because they think well I can, you know if I pay 30 quid I can see these 15 bands mm. rather than going out and buying the individual gig tickets and I am sure people will disagree with me a little bit on that but I think that that has affected it a little bit as well we were, I was given loads of offers for um festivals over into the winter period and I was like play all these festivals and no one's going to come and see me on my headline tour so yeah, yeah. we made a decision not to do it and maybe maybe we're idiots for doing that i don't know but um i think yeah we, we're all kind of i feel for everybody and you know the festival organizers are, are in the same boat i'm in as, a, as an artist we're all just trying to survive at the moment so that's mm. uh, not being critical of them it's just the, the way i see the landscape right now yeah the only knock i've got on festival organizers really is it's the same bands over and over again, you know? It's not, though. It's just that everybody looks like me. So, you, <laughs> you, you know, you keep thinking I'm on all these festival lineups. It's not. No, it's just... It could be yeah, but I know you're me. not, but, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like... It's a bit of like bit of like a revolving door sometimes, and it's like, well, yeah, do I really want to go and see them when I... You know, I can see them next week over there or, you know, with a few different other bands, but, like, two or three of the headline bands are, are the same. It's a bit of a shame, really. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, isn't it? I think I feel a lot for, you know, like the bands that were kind of where where I was, you know, maybe four or five years ago where I was I was really just starting out and trying to get gigs and that, even that in itself was a challenge. It's, there's a lot of similar acts on a, a lot of venues. And so where are all the new bands? Like the yeah. bands that were the new acts sort of three or four years ago are still the new acts. They're still getting all those shows. And, um, you know, maybe after my headline tour in October, November, I should just, you know, fuck off for a bit and retire and then let <laughs> someone else have a bang, you know. But um, I think that's just, there's a, I'm worried about that, actually, to a certain extent, you know, where where all the kind of 22, 23 year old rock and roll bands coming through. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, a lot of my youngsters, like you said, and yeah, everybody needs to work or go to school and, you know, there's no money around, like you said. And, uh, and kids nowadays live with their parents until they're like 35. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, the times have definitely changed. It's it's an odd moment, isn't it? But, you know, hopefully, I mean, it feels a little bit better than it did 12 months ago to me. So you just got to keep going. I mean, I've been, I've been playing music in bands for 23 years now. Yeah. And, um, 
I've been in lots of different environments where you feel like the world has ended. You know, I've been in situations where, you know, I've been in bands where we've signed like record deals and then, um, you know, it all kind of comes to nothing and you end up owning labels, loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm at least I'm not in that situation. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it is what it is at the moment, mate. Yeah, yeah. So how your uh, first single off the EP then was called Days of Thunder? Yes. How was that really... Uh... Fucking hell, I can't get my words out now. Uh, I can't even think what I was going to say. How was that received, are you going to say? I think it was received really well. I mean, it, it was a good song. That I knew when I'd written it. There's, like, there's certain songs you write and you think, it's a really fucking good song, that. And yeah. Like, I thought that when I wrote it. I thought, this is a good track. And... I'd um, been offered this opportunity to work with Kevin Shirley, which was a, was a bit of a dream come true because he produced all these albums that, um, you know, there's, I've actually got, we're, we're selecting some stuff in a bit, I've got some Kevin Shirley stuff here, but he's like um, a bit of a hero of mine. And so to be offered that opportunity, and I think actually knowing that I was working with him made me write this song because it was, it's a bit Maiden-esque. It's got that kind of gallop about it you could sing it in a Bruce style I mean mm. nobody wants to hear me do my Bruce Dickinson impersonation um, but yeah I, I think it's a good tune it's got a good guitar solo in it as well which is really the main thing yeah. Um, so yeah it, it's, it's pretty wicked and the video is pretty cool for it as well that was um, I shot that video just after kind of um, you know I was having a bit of a movement in terms of my band Okay. That sounds like a bowel movement. I don't mean it like that, <laughs> but um, you know, changing the lineup for the for the live band, and so I didn't really have a band to shoot a video with. And so I was going to say, yeah, I watched um, the video. It was a bit. I thought, all right, Jack, what are you doing in that white room? <laughs> they've been they've been sucked into the void. That's what had happened. That's, anybody that plays in a band with me has got to be uh, fully aware that eventually they will be sucked into a black hole of you know oblivion. Um, so that's why I did it on my own. But yeah, I think it's it's quite a cool cool video. It looks a little bit like um, the idea is, you know, the Matrix, where he's in, you know, he's in that. There's that scene where all the kind of guns come out. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the budget didn't stretch as far as that. I mean, we had a, pa- we had a packet of Pringles and stuff <laughs> in the camera, but we didn't have a, the gun rack. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so what's happened to your band then? As I say, man, they just got sucked into a black hole and uh, you know left me. No, uh, so Laz and Filippo have been my touring band for about. I guess it's about four years now. Yeah. So um, when we did the the album launch tour back in February, um, yeah, at the end of the tour, they both just said, "Look, we're going to move on, do different things." Uh, Felipe's joined this. Um, it's like a kind of Chicago blues band that play around London, so he's kind of happy doing that. And um, you know, that's not really what I do anymore. Yeah. I don't really do that as much blues as I used to. And Laz, I think Laz is working on like this. Um, He's working on a couple of solo things. He's, I mean, Laz is a massive metal fan. And so he's he's really into Gajira and that kind of stuff. So he was working on, I think, like this Lord of the Rings themed metal okay. record or something like that. A bit bonkers. So, um, a bit proggy? Yeah, I mean, I, Laz is a, he's, he's an interesting songwriter, actually, in his own respect. So, I mean, I, I think it, it's interesting how bands... I usually think bands last about two or three years mm. because people, I've heard they they have children, they you know they want to get a proper job, they realise that travelling around the country or travelling around Europe or wherever you are in the back of a van for nine yeah. months out of the year ain't that healthy, and so most people um, and it doesn't really pay a lot either. Well, it doesn't pay a lot when you're playing with me, 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's like, I understand it. So what it did do was it kind of made me think differently about writing new music. And I then had to put a new band together. I mean, there's a two or three week period where I was like, fuck, I've got all these gigs booked. I've got no band. Yeah. Um, but Phil Wilson, who uh, I I played with Phil briefly in the past, and um, I mean Felipe nearly left the band about twelve months ago. And Phil kind of was on board for that, but then Felipe kind of came back, um, so he was the first person I rang, and he was he was straight away in. Uh, and then uh, Charlie Rachel K, the bass player, um, Phil had met her and and recommended her, and so um, yeah. So this week we're actually in rehearsals. It's the first time we've played together, and I have to tell you that these they're good players like um okay funny like we did turn up at the rehearsal space and they're like you know you know would you, you we've got a, a 20 song set and like if i forget a, a bit of the songs you know i'm sorry yeah. jack and i was like trust me i'll be forgetting bits of these songs you know that's why we do rehearsals it's more it's more to do with me remembering everything um so it's sounding pretty shit hot and i'm really pleased with it so i'm sad that laz and felipe left you know because yeah. they're good guys and we, we did a lot together but um, it's always kind of exciting when you've got a new band because it, it kind of re-energizes everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it'd be good. Ah, very good. So you just did mention something about Kevin Shirley. Yes. So I asked you, uh, oh, I sent you a message actually, asked you to pick five of your all-time favorite songs. Yeah. And not particularly rock songs. Any, I thought any songs, you know, would be good because then we don't have to really get stuck in one genre. I mean, I know you're primarily a rock artist and you probably like rock music the best. But, well, I've, you know... actually picked, I've actually picked five Natalie and Brulia songs. I hope that's all right. <laughs> I mean, it, uh, that's uh... cool, man. If that's what you like, that's what you like. <laughs> hey, she's got some good tracks, actually. But yeah, I have yes. picked five songs. And as I said to you just before we came on air, that I had five and then I swapped four of them out just before we came on air. So things may change in the next five to ten minutes. Because we'll you see. couldn't make your mind up. Yeah, exactly. I've got too many favourites. Uh, I think I, th I think it's a really tough question, actually. Pick five of your favourite songs. Do you know, I once asked a guy who, um, back when I was doing kind of session guitar stuff, I joined this band, and uh, I said to the bloke, you know, we were talking about influences, and he said, you know, who are your main influences? I said, well, my big hero is Jimmy Page. And I said, so who's your influence, and who do you listen to? And he went, I don't listen to anybody but myself. And I oh, thought, right, okay. and I was like, really? And he said, yes. Yeah. He was like, I write such good music. Why would I ever listen to anybody else? And I thought, God, you're a fucking wanker. Yeah, what an arrogant <laughs> prick. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> that that relationship did not last particularly long. There you go. No, that's that, that, what a terrible thing to say. So I'm just clarifying. I haven't picked any of my songs. <laughs> oh, well, it doesn't matter. My favorite. I pick one. I pick one of yours. Eh? <laughs> no, because what I'm going to do, I'm going to chop this episode up. And I'm going to use it for the radio show on Friday. We'll just cut all of me out, and then you'll have a good <laughs> I can't do that because David haven't turned up. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, I thought, well, this would be a good concept. Maybe I can chop it up, and uh, that's obviously, if you don't mind, I'll uh, chop it up and use it for the radio. Yeah, you cut all the swearing out. Nah, leave it in there, man. Doesn't matter, I don't think. I once got warned when I was, I think it was on, like, is it BBC Introducing or something like that? And I, I turned up to do this interview, and I'd been down the pub, so I was a bit... <laughs> sourced and i was like swearing everything and the guy was like look i've just got to tell you if you swear when you're on air you're in big trouble you're gonna get this big fine and i was like yeah man but you know imagining in, i'm in like motley crew or something but yeah. um, actually nobody ever fucking heard of me and i was they were just like if this guy swears <laughs> we're just yanking him off not in a yeah. good way 
Yeah, we got told off when we first started our show on Scotland Rocks Radio, actually. Really? Yeah, we got told off for swearing and uh, uh, we had, had an interview with, uh, with the guys that own it because we're not on Scotland Rocks Radio anymore, actually. And, uh, and, and he said, well, we've only got five rules and you've broken them all already. That was it. We'd only did two shows. <laughs> Gosh. Well, you know, thankfully we can be more respectable tonight, can't we? Yeah, well, we've, we've started off all right, haven't we? Yeah. We don't have to go down the same road as the last one. <laughs> censored. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to be censored again. You know, I do want you to share these episodes. But, oh, I talk about complaining. I mean, I'm not complaining, you know. I just call it venting, actually. Yeah. I think if you vent, because actually life's pretty good, you know, you can't really criticise anything. So you can't complain about stuff. You just vent and then I vent and then you go back to normal life after five minutes and it's okay. Yeah. What do you reckon? I, well, I like a bit of a moan, actually. I think people <laughs> would probably say, I, particularly when I've played football and I we tend to lose actually quite a lot and I just get so infuriated by shit. Um, but it's good. I'd rather do that at, at five-a-side football than lose my shit on stage, which is what I used to do. So... Um, but that was when I used to play kind of like real boozed up bars where everybody just wanted to kick off. Or yeah, yeah. Maybe that was the impact I used to have on people. But, um, you know, I'm more of a sensible character these days. It's because you... I don't drink. So there you go. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, yeah. Did you see that guy smashing his tennis racket up last week? No. What was that? Oh, I don't know. He, got, he lost in some tennis match and he just he had a proper macro moment. Really? And he actually, he actually smashed his racket to smithereens. Well, I've never played tennis, and I think that's probably uh, most sports I do not play because I'm I'm quite competitive, and um, also the mix of being quite competitive but also incredibly shit. Uh, yeah, combo. You know, so it's like you know, play, I remember I went to a stag do a few years ago and played uh, crazy golf, and ended up just chucking my blooming, you know, the club across the green because I was just infuriated by the whole thing, and so um, I think as I've got a little bit older, I've tried to. Be more well. Let's say uh, you know a bit more cool about things. I just mean less of a dickhead. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know if people that are close to me would agree with that, but I think I think I am less of a dickhead. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm if I start something, I'm really competitive as well. You know, it's like I I started because uh, I used to own a pub, so I started a darts team. Oh right, you need a darts team so you can travel to other pubs and uh, meet different people. But I started a darts team. So then one of my players was really good, so I was like. Oh come on, we'll have a go at being we're being semi-professional. So I ended up playing in the Swiss Open and the Dutch Open. And really? Yeah, I'm crap. You know what I mean? But it's like let's do it. You know. And then I then I started playing like ten pin bowling. I had my own bowling ball made, and I was like, "Fuck it, out, come on, I can do this." <laughs> you don't want to get the two um, instruments mixed up and start playing darts with your bowling ball. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Yeah. But they're both quite, um, I'd imagine, quite sort of dangerous instruments. If you lose your lose your temper, at a yeah, sport, they can be. Yeah, darts yeah, are yeah. a bit, you know, a bit iffy. I did it with golf as well. Bought a set of big berthas, golf clubs, because yeah. this this guy was nagging me for ages and ages. Come and play golf with me. Come I was like, I ain't playing fucking golf. That's for old men, you know? Yeah. And uh, he's like, come on, i got a spare set of clubs. And he'd been playing golf for a couple of years. So we went out to, onto this nine-old course, had a game of golf with him, and I beat him, and he was like, you fucking whack. <laughs> <laughs> i never played before. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'll get into golf at some stage, but um, I, I still feel like I've got, um, you know, it's something of a football career ahead of me. But, you know, we'll, All see. Right, okay. we'll see. I always get, you know, 
into um, fights a bit, actually, I'd say, in, in five-a-side football. And that's probably not the best thing when you're about to head out on tour. I'm playing tomorrow evening, and it's the end-of-season game, so that usually is, you know, everyone goes down the pub afterwards, yeah, yeah. although I, I don't booze anymore. But, um, yeah, I've just started rehearsal. We've got more rehearsals going into next week. I've got a show on Saturday, so I'd better keep out of trouble, actually. Yeah, yeah, they don't end up breaking a leg or something. Or yeah. an arm. Yeah, or my hat. That'd be the worst. I'm still <laughs> oh, you don't play in gold, do you? On. Yeah. It's good for Edin, actually. You can catch the ball on it. <laughs> so, yeah, you can't see the top of it. It's got a big dent in it. <laughs> All right, then go give me your first track. So, um, this week, I've been listening to a lot of Ozzy Osbourne because okay. his new album's out. And um, I was thinking about, you know, I'm obviously a big Sabbath fan, have been for years. And I thought, you know, what are my favourite Ozzy Osbourne tracks? And um, I was going to pick, you know, Crazy Train, actually. I probably still jam along with Crazy Train at least once a week because I use it some of the uh, Randy Rhodes sort of guitar licks as warm-up licks for when I'm doing shows. But I thought, you know, um, I'll pick a track that isn't necessarily one of his better-known songs. But it was a song that when it came out, it was a, it really got me into... Uh, Zach Wild, and I remember the video for it, and it's um, it's called Get Gets Me Through, and it came out about probably about twenty years ago now, and uh, I've managed to find my original CD single earlier on, oh. which actually is a DVD single, which is another thing that bands were doing in the early two thousands. But what a riff! And it, it's one of those songs where straight away I wanted to learn it on guitar, and so yeah. a lot of my selections were songs that inspired me to pick up the guitar and and try and play like the musicians that play on it. So yeah, I think it's a really, really good song. All right, okay. I can't say I've heard it. I never really got into Aussie that much. All right, well, we'll put, I'll get another one out of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I, I, I mean, like I said, I, I mean, we spoke before, like growing up, I was always a punk. I, and I was into like heavy metal, but I, yeah, Aussie just never really did it for me with his voice, I think. Mm. I mean, I, I used to love Bob Dylan, but I mean, he can't sing either, but I think Ozzy's like, I mean, everybody says he's like the godfather of metal or rock, but yeah, I don't know, man. I just couldn't, I'm obviously I like Paranoid, everybody likes Paranoid, don't they, but Black Sabbath, but, and uh, Iron Man and that sort of stuff, but I yeah, I, I never, I mean, I thought Bark at the Moon was a terrible song. Really? Gosh, yeah. I think with, with his voice, it's a bit like, I am a big Neil Young fan, Neil Young's one of my yeah. favourite artists. But um, a lot of people I know just can't stand his voice, and Ozzy's yeah. a bit like that for, for a lot of people. They don't they don't like his. I actually really like Ozzy's voice. I think it's quite unique. But there's a lot of people who don't dig it. Same with I mean Zach Wilde sings a lot like Ozzy, and a lot of people cannot stand Zach's voice. But I think it's fucking great. So um, I, I mean, don't know if a it's lot really his yeah. voice, but uh, I don't know. It might just be the music, to be honest. But yeah, you just you know hate I mean? his music. That's what it is, isn't it? <laughs> I don't eat all of it. I like some of it, but not. Uh... <laughs> Good job you haven't reviewed my EP. God, <laughs> I hate it. Zero out of ten. <laughs> no, I quite like it actually. It's pretty good. It's, well, you know, it's because I'm not trying to sing like Aussie, which is what I used to try and do. Oh, I, I think it's it. a good song, and it, you know, I might watch this after we've done this interview because it's got the. Uh, I mean, this this was a, obviously. It's like today where the ploy to get uh, bands in the charts is to release your album on 17 different colours of vinyl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, you know Sky Blue and Dog Shit Brown and everyone buy, you know, <laughs> buys 15 copies. And you get in the charts, but you've only actually got 50 fans. 
this is what the bands were doing in uh, the early 2000s. It's like, uh, how do we get our single in the charts when nobody's going to fucking buy it? Oh, yeah, we'll get it done on a DVD. CD one and two. CD two's got three B sides that are absolutely shit. But if you're into the semi into the band, you'll buy it because you want to get everything. Yeah. And I was one of those purchasers. So I was the I was the sucker getting Aussie back in the charts in the early two thousands. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. Did you see that thing about Salman Rushdie a couple of getting stabbed in the eye? What? Yeah, Salman Rushdie was doing a. He was doing. I think it was in America. In New talking, York, wasn't it? Yeah, he was doing a yeah. talk. Wasn't he about? I'm not sure if it was about free speech or not, actually. But I know he was doing a like a right. It was at a writers' club, wasn't it? And that guy, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that guy came on and rushed. Well, just before they started, actually, the the guy came on and rushed the stage. Well, mm. he didn't rush the stage. He ran on stage and uh, stabbed him a few times and stabbed him in the eye and a few times in the body. But all the the writers that were there are like part of this group, this writing group. Where they're all like sort of protected, you know, because he was like protected running for a long time because he had that fat wire on him and stuff. But they're like, um, they write things that nobody dares write about, if you like. So he was in this writer's group, giving a speech to this writer's group. And so actually all the people, instead of everybody going like, oh, he's been attacked, about 75 of these writers all jumped on this guy and stopped uh, Salman Rushdie from, well, he was already being attacked. He got stabbed like five or six times, but they actually all rushed to help rather than stand back, which I thought was a really good thing. I think if somebody uh, jumped on stage and tried to attack me, most of my fans would just probably see it as a chance to go and get a beer. Or video it. <laughs> I mean, I've had that. I've had it a few times where people have jumped on the stage and it's usually just drunk idiots. But, um, you know, I've had it where people have I've turned around and someone's trying to grab a guitar off the back of the stage. Really? I mean, that's like a, I'm I'm happy to kind of be like, you know, come on, man, you maybe had a bit too much. But as soon as somebody tries to touch my Les Paul, that's like no way, man. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Yeah, I thought that was. I mean, obviously, it's not a very good story for Salman Rusty getting stabbed, but at least you know it showed some sort of level of decency amongst people instead of like just all taking a video on your mobile phone and whatever. Yeah. You know, like these fucking kids do and when people are getting beaten up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good. Good effort. Good effort, writers. Yeah, I don't know. I think that you um, you get that sense of community with, with a lot of uh, music fans. that are, They're quite protective of artists. And yeah. There's lots of footage on YouTube of... Um, I remember when Slash got attacked on stage. Oh, I remember that, back. yeah. And he tried to carry on, didn't he? He yeah. picked his Les Paul back up. And Way out of tune, wasn't it? It was completely fucked. He was doing Sweet Child of Mine. And, um, you know, you're just you're a little bit like, I think the intonation's out a little bit now. So <laughs> yeah. like, uh, there's a great one of um, Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. Um, I've got a Black Crows tune, actually, uh, as one of my selections. But, yeah, there's a this guy runs across the stage and Chris has got his ginormous microphone stand looking like he's in almost famous and he just swings it and, and whacks the guy off the stage and just carries on and rich <laughs> rich is just like uh, well, you know yeah um, court case coming in <laughs> i think if someone tried to do that with me i'd probably just try and run off you just probably it'd be like seeing me running around the, the stage trying to run away from him i haven't stretched my hamstrings give me a sec <laughs> go on and give me song number two so song number two, uh, I was going to go with uh, some Guns N' Roses. All oh, right, okay. So the track, there's loads of tracks that I could pick off 
um, Use Your Illusion 2. Yeah. It, it would be easy to go after that for destruction because obviously there's loads of stuff on there that's uh, really well known, lots of people's favourite tracks. Um, but the song off this that really, uh, I remember hearing this when I was a little kid, was You Could Be Mine, which is on the Terminator 2 soundtrack. Yeah. And uh, it's a bit where John Connor kind of um, turns around to his, his foster dad and he's like, uh, she's not my mum, Tad. And then he basically just uh, drives off and then you could hear Axel doing, you know. And I was like, oh, that's a great song. And, uh, you know, I probably was only about 10 years old. I'd convinced my mum that it was um, a, a kid's film. So she rented this film from Blockbuster. Okay. Um, or whatever it, Blockbuster it was. In, I don't think it was Blockbuster in Burnley, but the, the video shop got home. And obviously the first five minutes is like, Loads of people just going when he, Arnie walks into the bar and there's a guy, a guy that's just like, "Fuck you, dibs!" And, and my mum was—I remember she was reading the papers like, "What did that guy just say?" And I, so I was like, you know, trying to I keep. Don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think he said anything. Um, anyway, I was obsessed with that film and I was watching it at an age when I shouldn't have been watching it. But um, that's what got me into Guns and Roses was Terminator Two, and oh. um, yeah, I just loved the track. And I, a lot of people, we talked about Ozzy's voice. A lot of people don't really like Axel's voice, but enough people like it to, you know, make Appetite for Destruction have sold 35 million copies. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't think they like his voice now. I think they liked it then, but now it's a bit. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I think the less said about his voice at this particular moment in time. I mean, I saw him at the, uh, the Spurs Stadium last month. and Okay. It sounded great where we were, but then again, everybody was singing along with every song. So, yeah. I mean, including me, and everybody's doing their actual impersonation. So you've got yeah. like all these drunks around me going, "You can be mine," and it just—I mean, Axel could not have—he could have just been not singing, and he would yeah. have—he would have still sounded like you were hearing Axel to a certain extent, or the like the spitting image version of Axel Rose. Um, so yeah, that's why I picked that tune because it was—it it really inspired me around that time to start playing guitar properly because I was I'd, I'd, I'd got a guitar so I probably was about 11 maybe when when I watched that film 10 or 11 and um, I was already in guitar lessons but it was all kind of like classical guitar and I didn't like it I didn't like the having that sort of homework and having to go to this lesson every Monday evening I dreaded it but when I got into bands like Guns N' Roses, it was like, actually, I really do want to play fucking guitar. I want to play guitar like that guy who stood on a cliff face with a tiny church behind him. You know, yeah. that Slash was quite inspirational at that point. And those videos were all over like MTV, back when yeah, MTV yeah. used to play music. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, they don't play any music now, do they, MTV? It's no. Like fucking reality shows and Snoop Dogg. Well, it's it's probably um, as a result of Ozzy Osbourne, isn't it, with the Osbournes, which was probably yeah, like, yeah, I think, yeah. I think this single came out when the Osbournes was on, so they were like, let's capitalize on the Osbourne success, let's get get an Ozzy album out, and um, yeah, I mean, it was like the, one of the first reality TV shows. Mm. I should I should make a reality TV show about being on the road with my fucking band. That would have been hilarious, me, Laz, and Felipe. <laughs> Um, over the last couple of years. I have to see whether Charlie and Phil are, are up to the task of uh, the comedy elements of touring. But, um, yeah, anyway, Guns N' Roses is the second selection. All right, cool. Go on then, number three. So number three is Natalie and Brulia. No, I'm only joking. Um, so I picked a Kevin Shirley-produced record, Yeah. Uh, which is the Smith Copson album. Which came, okay, yeah. Uh, it's about a year ago now, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think they toured it last summer, did they? 
Yeah, I, I saw them on the tour. Was, I mean, maybe, I, I, maybe August, September time. Yeah, I mean, Richie Cotson, he's an artist I'd, um, you know, I'd sort of listened to in the past, but, and I'd kind of dug his stuff, but um, when he, this record with Adrian Smith, and I'm a big fan of Adrian Smith from Maiden, this is kind of really my cup of tea. I was like, man, this is like more kind of classic rock sounding, hmm. really great production on it. And when Kevin was, was fixing uh, my mixes, I remember getting this email off him saying he, he couldn't, um, couldn't work on Days of Thunder. He couldn't finish it for another couple of days. Cause, and he, I always remember this email because he responded and said, because I'm, uh, I'm just finishing some stuff up for Iron Maiden. And I was like, you know, I felt like responding and saying, hey, man, you know, who, who do you think you're dealing with here? He's got <laughs> yeah. Jay Hudginson. Tell Bruce that I want my mixes done. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty cool. So it, that kind of came out around the time I was... Uh, uh, I got the news that I could work with Kevin, so that it was—it's kind of a special record for me, just because of that. And the track, any particular? Uh, track? Oh yeah, I didn't name a track. Did well, no. I could have named all of them. Uh, Taking my chances, which is track one, I thought was a okay. great tune. And when it came out, I played it all the time, and um, like it was like one of these songs I was putting on in the morning to kind of get up and like get ready for the day. And my wife Liz came in, and she was just like—I remember she came in, she's like, "Oh." Nice to hear he's taking his chances again. And I was like, what? She said, you've had this song on for about two weeks. Just stop playing it. And I was like, it's not that long, is it? She's like, it's like two weeks of listening to Taking My Chance. And it's just like, I need to not have this song on first thing in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I think we put on air or something like that to change the vibe. <laughs> you could have had like making your mind up instead. <laughs> making my mind. It's actually quite similar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. When you said, as soon as you said it, it's like take me on, make you my mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. You're gonna get a lawsuit now. <laughs> yeah, when you're watching the Just Chops and podcast, and this bloke pointed out that it sounded very similar to this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I can't afford it. Sponsored by Costa. <laughs> this is a bad choice of mug for a uh, you know video interview, isn't it? Because it's like. um Advertising. Advertising costs are in it. Should have yeah. gone with Starbucks. And this is a point. The next track I'm going to pick, the album cover, I'm not sure um, whether this would be censored. It was censored when it first came out, but um, I'll hold it up and see whether Zoom uh, crashes it. But yeah, we'll see. Is it Never Mind the Bollocks? No, it isn't. Oh, because that was censored. It is The Black Crows. Oh, okay. Which actually. Morica. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't look too... Fuck yeah! <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I've watched that quite uh, recently. Um, I watched the uh, the South Park pandemic special and then uh, was like, oh, I really fancy watching Team America. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so the next track I'm going to pick is, is The Black Crows and it's a song called Descending, which is the last track on America, which I think is just a beautiful song. And it's not guitar-led, really. It's actually kind of piano-based and... Their keys player, Ed Harsh, uh, just plays this beautiful intro. And I think Chris's vocals haven't really ever sounded as good as they did on on that album and, and that song. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff. I think there's a lot to be said about, you don't, just as a guitarist, you don't have to listen to guitar music all the time. Like, no, I, no. I don't listen to, I listen to a lot of heavy guitar and blues guitar, but um, I don't listen to it all the time. Yeah. I listen to a lot of John Carpenter, so I listen to a lot of um, you know horror movie soundtracks. I, it's a bit bizarre, but that's actually kind of what I put on in my headphones when I'm trying to go to sleep to drown okay, out yeah. the tinnitus that I've, I've got a bit. <laughs> yeah. of. You put on like the Halloween theme, and you just like 
if you forget to like switch it off, you wake up at three in the morning. It's like, ding, 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 you know, just yeah, like, yeah. Oh, um, did Karen anyway. sing any words in that? Is what sorry? Did Karen sing any words in it? Karen Carpenter. Oh no! <laughs> I mean, that would have oh. been that would have been one hell of a collaboration. They've just announced the new uh, John Carpenter album today. I didn't read the press release though. Maybe you know, maybe they've used some samples and then. Uh, <laughs> In a bit of a mix mash there i don't know <laughs> <laughs> a mashup <laughs> yeah Oof. the carpenters you probably need a, a bit of a you know you'd have to listen to some natalie and brulee after that i reckon yeah maybe or some more bugs fizz yeah so go on and we're on your last oh we're on your last choice already it's quite quickly haven't i, I can't um, really. that's okay it's fine i mean we've been talking for 45 minutes so so i was going to pick a led zeppelin track and again, a bit like Guns N' Roses, although You Could Be Mine is a pretty famous song, but um, like not, you know, Ozzy's song gets me through slightly different tune. Um, there's loads of Zep tunes that I could have picked off really the first four records because, you know, the Rock and Roll, Black Dog, obviously Stairway, um, When the Levee Breaks, there's some incredible stuff that you know, Since I've Been Loving You is one of my all-time favourite tunes. But I thought I'd pick um, The Ocean off Houses of the Holy. Okay. Uh, because it was a when I first learnt to play that song, it was quite interesting in terms of the structure of it. And I think I've employed the structure of that track on a lot of my songs, where you shift the tempos up, and it's almost like a it's like three songs in one. Yeah. And so some of my tunes, like Justified, for example, is a song of mine called Justified. It has like different key changes and tempo changes and stuff like that. And so Zeppelin taught me a lot about keeping the audience's attention and not just repeating the same bloody riff for five minutes until everybody's just kind of falling asleep. Mm. Um, and the ocean, I think, is a really good funky um, type of riff. There's, there's some stuff in the later years of Zeppelin that is a bit more, um, you know, it's just a little bit more rhythmic and funky that is quite different to the early stuff. And uh, I think House of the Holy, I actually, when I first got House of the Holy, I wasn't a big fan of that record. And, um, I kind of got into it through getting the uh, song remains the same uh, VHS. That's what I had originally, because th that was from that tour. So there's there's a few of the tracks like um, you know No Quarter, for example. Like loads of really cool cool versions on the song remains the same. So yeah, I uh, I'm a massive Jimmy Page fan. Obviously a fan of all the other members of the band, um, and I just think it's it's a great tune. And, and the, the production on those Zep records, I just think. It's so different. It sounds so real and fresh, and you put them on still, and they sound like they were recorded. It, it sounds like they were recorded yesterday to me. Whereas I think a lot of rock production over the last 20 years, because people have been sort of led more by technology, mm. they're actually, their records date quickly because they sound like, you know, everything sounds like it was recorded in 2002 because it all sounds like Nickelback and yeah. like you know that kind of vibe um whereas I think Zep is pretty timeless yeah yeah okay. you can do the opposite to that though which is what I've done which is um sort of uh continuously infuriate my fans by making changes in my musical direction and so you get like some blues fans that really lo love the first couple of records were fuming when they heard my last record, The Hammer Falls. This guy messaged me. He said, I'm not going to buy your music again because you've sold out. 
And I, and I responded, I said, I'm sold out. I've just written some fucking good songs. <laughs> like, you know, fucking sold out. It's not like, keep referring to Natalie and Brilliant, but it's like, it's not like I'm selling fucking 100,000 copies of my record. I'm just yeah. writing songs. And I think um, some people really like that. When you make music that sounds just like your last album, because they, they know what they're getting. It's like when you go and buy um, a can of Fanta, it's going to taste like the last fucking Fanta that you had and the yeah. Fanta that you had 15 years ago. And a lot of people really like that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I like Ozzy Osbourne. I've always loved Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. I got his new album this week. It sounds exactly the same as the fucking Black Sabbath stuff that was done yeah. 45 years ago uh, with with slightly better production. I tell you what, it's a good job I didn't pick an Oasis song, isn't it? I <laughs> Oasis song it sounds like they all sound the same, you know. They do, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and the big shock of the week then was Dan Byrne quitting Revival Black. Ah, I did see that, yeah. Um He'd just not... get a number two album in the rock chart and then he quits. Like well, two days yeah. later. Go out on top, innit? That's what it is. I mean, I t- I've tried to quit my own band about 15 fucking times, <laughs> but because it's called Jack <laughs> Jameson, I can't do it. <laughs> well, they keep leaving you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I Yes, well, over the last 23 years, I've had a track record of uh, musicians running away from me. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but yeah, that's a shame, because I, I don't think I've ever... Oh, I did do a gig with Revival Black, because they did the um, Earache New Wave of Rock and Roll album launch in uh, London at the O2 Academy. So I met them all there, and they were great, a really good band. So I think they've got... Have they got a new singer? Is it... Is, yes, it's a girl, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if she's going to be permanent. I know that she's filling in. But they've yeah, if bands associate the singer is the really. I mean, we've seen all this stuff that's gone on with the choir boys, where yeah. Spike's quit, and of course everybody's like the choir. Well, Spike didn't quit; right. he got kicked out. Right. Okay. Well, unfortunately, people associate band names with the singer, so um, I hope the you know I hope that Revival Black can sort it out because as you just said, they've done really well. We've got a charted album. Mm. This is the point where they should be going right. Fucking let's kick on next 12 months. We're yeah. going to pull the shit out of this record. So um, who knows? I've I've seen it a lot with bands. You know, I've, as I say, man, I've been doing this a long fucking time where everybody has a... They all fucking decide they're going to quit. And then they... Um, I've had it so many times where people have like gone, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to quit. I'm going to start my own band. And then about a week later, they ring me back and they're like... I've made a mistake, mate. You're gonna come back, and I'm like, yeah, you have made a fucking mistake. I've already <laughs> replaced you. Um, so who knows? Maybe they'll get back together at some stage. And uh, you know, it's a shame because they should, as I say, they should be. Yeah, it's just weird record. timing. I thought it was just really weird timing. Yeah, yeah. Unless he fucked the bass player's girlfriend or something. Well, I've I've been in situations with bands where that that sort of shit's gone on, and you know, like, actually, they were, they were, they were, I tell you what, they were pro pro players. They carried on, completed the <laughs> run of shows, they completed the tour. And it was like as soon as the tour finished, that was it, that was the end of it. But I think we got about three more gigs, and they just like like let's just put it to one side. But all that kind of on stage magic where they were locking eyes, and it was like yeah, yeah. bass player like that. It was like they're playing, looking at each other, going like <laughs> yeah. No, instead of locking eyes, they're giving each other daggers. I never got into any of that mucking around. I was too obsessed with trying to play my guitar properly, which is probably why I'm the only fucking still doing it after 20-odd years. 
Stop sleeping with the other members of the band's partners. You're going to have to play fucking bass, mate. Yeah. Ba- I should tell you, funny story. That bass player showed up to rehearsal once without his bass. It was one of the most bizarre things I've ever um, encountered in a band. And so, like, you know, Laz and Felipe, you know, quit six months ago, whenever it was. But at least they showed up to the fucking rehearsals with their equipment. Yeah. It was hilarious. So we were like, hey, man, you ready ready to go? And, we, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And I was like, one thing you might be missing, where's your fucking bass guitar? And he was just like, oh, man, I've left it on the tube. Oh, fuck. Left it on the tube. I mean, this is why you shouldn't be in a, in a band with, with somebody who takes copious amounts of drugs. Um, <laughs> that's what I learned over the years. <laughs> Stick to the Costa. I hope it was an expensive guitar. I don't think he ever got to find out because somebody else man, somebody else would have sold it. So yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. <laughs> I don't oh. think it was. I, I think that guy. I think he he uh, he didn't quit. He was politely asked to leave, and then um, that was one of those things where you you sort of sack somebody, and you're like, thank God. Yeah. And then about three months later, he was all over Facebook, and he joined. It wasn't the Libertines, but it was somebody like that. that yeah. Got like a record deal, and he was like on. Um, well, he was, this is after Top of the Pop, so I don't know. But he was like in a band for about six months that were all over the place, and you're like, how the fuck? I bet he's not forgetting his bass showing up to their rehearsals. So, um, musicians, mate, what a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna play. Those Days of Thunder. Track. No, oh, I'm gonna I play. Don't. I'm gonna play Days of Thunder on the radio. Cool. Do you, can I play another song off your EP? You can play Days of Thunder again because it's so good. I'm only joking. Um, how about you do? What do you want to play? Another one off the new EP? Yeah. Um, Is that okay? I don't want to get in trouble with your manager. Don't. Yeah, no, I don't want to get in trouble with my manager. <laughs> um, don't play What Doesn't Kill You because it goes on for fucking ever. That's, and, uh, that's the first track, isn't it? That's the first track. Maybe yeah, it's about eight minutes long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and that it's eight minutes in, and then it has an interval. You know, like when you used to go, like <laughs> I remember for coffee, the, uh, Titanic at the cinema with my grandma, and uh, about halfway through they stopped it, and we had an ice cream. That's yeah, what you yeah, get yeah. with uh, my <laughs> the choice of first track, isn't it? You know, that's what they say. Stick your really long track at the beginning. Um, do you want to do the Hammer Falls because that's that's shorter and that's yeah. uh, you know. You can make your brew, and you don't have to make another one halfway through. And that was the, that was the chat that sort of sealed the deal with Kevin as well, actually, because I sent him that song, and he sent me a nice email back saying he thought it was a really good good tune. So um, yeah, so that's that's probably my favourite song on it, along with Days of Thunder. You know, there's only four songs to pick from, so it's you know, slim pickings in it to pick the best one. But there you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got to be honest. When I got Days of Thunder sent to me, I thought. Is this going to be a Top Gun themed track? I missed the boat, didn't I? Do you know what? I never actually seen the film Days of Thunder. Okay. And then obviously when I started doing interviews for the EP, everyone was like, "Oh, is it about Days of Thunder?" Because uh, you know Top Gun Maverick had just come out. Yeah. And I, I, I watched it about a month ago. It's on, um, it's on Amazon. It's fucking terrible. It's such a bad. It's like Top Gun, but with NASCAR rate. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I have seen this film because I remember the it, even I must have only been about eight or nine. My dad was probably watching it, and even then, I recognised that the plot made no fucking sense. <laughs> and um, I mean, elements of Top Gun that doesn't really make sense, but um, 
then I was like, you know, the song title, every, everybody's obviously like, oh, is it about Tom Cruise? Yeah. It's not about Tom Cruise. But uh, I'll tell you what, I'm never watching that film again because it, it, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no idea who's going to stop them. No. And Maver- Top Gun Maverick, I thought was brilliant. Yeah. Is it? I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's good. That's what my uh, my next EP or single is going to be called. It's going to be called Maverick and see if there's a, you know, it's when you get to like the sixth single and you start calling it Far and Away. Yeah. Uh, yeah do you remember yeah. that one where it, Tom Cruise uh, played an Irish guy? Yeah, um, yeah. I think Enya did the soundtrack. With the most terrible Irish accent ever. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's the direction, mate. You know, difficult. It'll be the fourth solo record, difficult fourth album. Did it all in an Irish accent? And it, it was like a, it was a themed album about Tom Cruise, and nobody understood it. I just didn't get it, you know. Yeah, you'd be like, "Kiss me, lucky charms." Uh, yeah, you've got to be careful about um, that sort of thing. But yeah, I think it's um, yeah, maybe I'll stick to just being me. <laughs> All right, it was great to see great to see you. Great to speak to you as well. And thanks so much for you know we've talked a lot about Laz and Philippa leaving my band. It's great to see Laz on on your banner behind you, just on the right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> haunting me. <laughs> well, I hope they. Yeah, I wish them all the success. What they do as well, to be honest. Yeah, me too. They're good guys. We're we're actually playing. A, we're doing like a, a farewell gig on. Uh, on Saturday this week, which would be cool. And um, it'll be nice to see. I've not seen them in ages. Okay. So it'll be fun to just kind of meet up and just chat about what, what they're doing, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. So it would have been cooler if we'd have just had a massive falling out. Because then I yeah. could have done interviews and be like, well, yeah, they're wankers. But um, I've, trust me, I've fallen out with bandmates in the past and it's not much fun. Because you work on something and you, you invest a lot of energy in it. And when people move on, it's really kind of demoralising if you've you've had a falling out, but um, got a lot of respect for those guys. They've worked hard with me over the last couple of years and build, you know, a lot of what I've been doing with the last record, the Hammer Falls in particular. They co-wrote some of that with me, so um, mm. yeah, I got a lot of thanks for them as well. So it'd be cool to see them this weekend and have a non-alcoholic beer with them. Although yeah. they'll probably be having alcoholic. Yeah. There you go. All right, cool. All right, cheers then, mate. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me on. It's been good. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice to catch up. We didn't talk about bats at all during this session. <laughs> Especially big bats. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Keep on rocking. I do. Thanks, mate. <laughs>